Welcome to Practically Healthy by Dr. Melina. I'm your host, Dr. Melina Jampolis, and I'm a board-certified physician nutrition specialist. And I started this podcast to take the latest science and really help you figure out what you should do, can do, and eventually will do when it comes to food, fitness, and everything that's involved with helping you become the best version of yourself. My guest today on Practically Healthy by Dr. Molina is Dr. Michael Bruce. Did I say that right? You did. Bruce okay. like Zeus. Excellent. Bruce like Zeus, who is also known as the sleep doctor. And uh, those of you that know anything about me know that sleep is the one health issue that I really, really, really struggle with. And it is such a pillar of yeah. optimal health, as our guests will tell us today. But so <laughs> welcome so much. Let's jump right in because I know you've got so much great info. Like, I don't even oh, know thanks, where Melina. to start, <laughs> but it's nice to meet you virtually. And, yeah, um, well, it, you know, it's great to meet you as well. And, and here's the thing I would tell you that I tell almost everybody is I feel like sleep is the domino of wellness, right? So if you get sleep right, so many other things fall into line. Weight loss falls into line. You know, personal best in terms of exercise fall into line. Um, your nutrition, your cravings, like everything goes better with sleep. <laughs> no, 100%. <laughs> you know? And people don't. I mean, you know, the coolest thing, though, the timing of this is so great because the mm -hmm. American Heart Association yeah. just added sleep to it used to be the the whatever the simple seven. And right. now it's the essential eight. And they added it. sleep. I mean, it's brilliant so you're like now you're you're a god in the wellness uh in I've been the wellness legitimized world. by the american heart association i know well, that's a whole nother conversation that's about that because i've you know i've gotten into some twitter arguments about you know oh, yeah. that but I, I i'm still a believer i think they have uh, yeah. they're our best interest at heart and For sure. uh, so so let's just jump right in because so yeah, your please. thing is chronobiology or do you Correct. say chrono uh -huh. So it's chronotyping, chronobiology. And so chronotyping, chronobiology. So tell us about because that is the way you break it down is totally awesome and I think really <laughs> can help a lot of people. So well, and your first book, The Power of When, is when you first kind of explain this, right? Yeah, yeah. So so just to actually go a little bit backwards. So um The Power of When was my third book. Um, but it was the first time where I was talking about chronotypes. So chronotypes, so first of all, people out there who are listening, you may not have heard of this term chronotype, but you actually already know all about it. If any of you out there have ever been called in your lifetime an early bird or a night owl, you now know what a chronotype is. So let me give you a little bit of history lesson on how chronotypes develop and then why do I actually care about chronotypes? So back in the 70s, a couple of doctors got out there and they said, you know, we've noticed that some people like to wake up early. Some people can't wake up early. Some people like to wake up late. Some people like to stay up late. What the heck is going on here? So they just did some basic surveys and lo and behold, over the course of time, they were like, ah, there appear to be some preferences in one direction or the other. So they called people early birds. They called people night owls. Believe it or not, people in the middle who had nothing, they called them hummingbirds. I have no idea why they called them <laughs> that's hummingbirds. That's weird. Yeah, it's that's just that's odd to yeah, me. I, I have no idea what where that vernacular came from. Yeah. Now, fast forward into the kind of early '90s, late '90s, and we started to really start to under, understand more about circadian rhythms, and this idea of chronotype became much more interesting at play. Turns out, it's genetic, right? And so here's the weird thing: like a lot of people say to me, "Oh, I'm an early bird. I can get up at, dude." 
you're not an early bird unless your genes say you're an early bird. Lots of people will force themselves out of a chronotype because they think that that's the chronotype that they should be in. I've got data to suggest that if you know what your true genetic chronotype is and you can follow it, it'll actually open un and unlock doors like you've never seen before. So here's where it gets kind of interesting is I actually found a fourth chronotype. Um, an insomnia chronotype, believe it or not. Um, that and it's may all be again, me. That may well, be it me. could be. We're going to be talking about you in just yeah. a second. Um, <laughs> and, and here's what's interesting about that is this is, again, genetic. So if you look on the PER3 area of the human genome, you'll see that there are little building blocks. We call them ATP, and they were flip-flopped. One is going one direction, that makes you a night owl. One goes another direction, that makes you an early bird. One stays the same, and that makes you a hummingbird. And then there was this kind of jangled one that had the same constituents, but they were all kind of over the, all over the place. That's the insomnia one. So once I started looking at all of those different things, and by the way, this was all driven by a patient. Um, and it was all driven by a patient where I failed. I want to be very clear about that. I love that. A lot of my successes and knowledge come from failure and in nutrigenetics, 100%. which is my thing. So I, oh, okay, I get cool. it. Yeah. So, so I get this patient and she's a dear friend and she's like, Michael, this, this insomnia, the cognitive behavioral therapy is not working. Ambien, not working. This medication, not working. This, this treatment, not working. So I'm like, come on back in. Let's just let's start from scratch. Cause you know, it's all about the diagnostic interview. Mm -hmm. So I go back in, I start interviewing, interviewing, interviewing. And then she says, and she says, you know, if I could just live in a different time zone, I think my life would be fantastic. I was like, okay, I'm interested. What does that mean? She said, look, and the time I was treating her, I was living on the East Coast. My original practice was in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and she said, you know, if I just lived in California, everything would work out perfect because I could sleep later. I could do everything. I said, well, tell me what, what your ideal schedule would be. She said, look, if I could get up at nine and go to work at 10 and then be done with work by like six, be home at seven, that would work out perfect for me. And I said, well, why don't you do it? So I got a family, I got husband, I got kids, I got career, I got all these different things that are kind of pushing me around. I said, okay. I said, well, can I talk to your boss? She said, you don't want to do that. I said, why not? She, she said, she, he's going to fire me at the end of the week. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, I fall asleep in meetings. My work product is terrible. I'm on double secret probation. Like it's disaster. I'm like, let me give him a call. So I give him a call. And I said, look, here's what I want to do. I want to move her schedule. He's like, you can do whatever you want. She's getting fired at the end of the week. Like, no joke. It was like, okay, great. No pressure. Right. So we changed her schedule. Right? Cause I mean, what am I got to lose? Right. So we changed her schedule. I call him up on Friday. The first words out of his mouth. I said, how's she doing? He said, I have three more people I want you to talk to like that. Wow. Right. Which was interesting. Yeah. He was like, I don't know what's going on, but just her coming in later, her work product is better. She's paying attention, like all the stuff we needed her to do. She's doing it and she's doing it really, really well. I'm not going to fire her. I might even give her a raise. And I was like, okay, now we've got to start to understand what's going on with these chronotypes. Because if people could just identify it and educate their family, their boss, you know, whoever is important in their lives about it, then things start to get interesting. So I decided to write a book. Um, pull all the research together. And that book is called The Power of When. And here's why. Because when you do something in your hormonal cycle is very, very important. So one more step in this whole process is everybody out there, if you can, go to chronoquiz.com and take the quiz. It takes about two or three minutes and you'll learn which one of four different chronotypes you are. And that's chrono, C-H-R-O-N-O. Just for those who don't yep, know, yep, yep. because they, it may, they yeah. may think it's a K. So Fair enough. Yeah. 
Definitely. So, so yeah, chronotype, C-H-R-O-N-O-type, T-Y-P-E.com. Right, but the, but the quiz, no, no, no. The quiz oh. is chronoquiz.com. Oh. C-H-R-O-N-O-Q-U-I-Z.com. Don't worry, everybody. We'll have it in the show notes. Yeah, seriously. You'll be able to find it. (laughs) Uh, So here's how it goes. You go and you take the quiz. Two or three minutes later, you'll get emailed back the results. There are now four possible chronotypes. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I decided to rename them. Now, when you're going into the renaming process of things, right, and you're talking to your publisher, your publisher and you're sitting there and you're trying to think of things to do. Should we call them colors? Should they be crystals? Should they be animals? So I raised my hand and I said, I want them to be animals because I want people to identify with an animal. Turns out nobody wants to be a porcupine. You know, nobody wants to be a platypus, right? (laughs) So I had to find inspirational animals that also met the same chronotypical schedules because that was important to be able to have all of that kind of consistent. So early birds turn into lions. I mean, let's be honest, who doesn't want to be the king of the jungle, right? These are, and lions we know get their kill before dawn. They're very early morning creatures. When we talk about the human lions, let me tell you about their personality traits as well. Lions have a tendency to be leaders, usually operators of the business, not necessarily the CEO, but more than likely the COO. This is a person who makes a list every day and goes from step one to step two to step three to step four. Very militant in their thinking. They're the person that's firing off emails at five o'clock in the morning to people. Um, that drives me like crazy, that, by the way. Right? I'm like, what? why were you up at five emailing me? I don't <laughs> understand, but okay. It ha- and it happens more often than people would, would think. And people feel pressured to then answer those emails in the early mornings when in fact they're Chronotype might not want them to do so at all. So that's kind of the lion. By the way, lots of people think it's the best to be a lion. It's not. Dinner and a movie is out for a lion. They've been up since like 4.30 in the morning. To be honest, they're exhausted. They're lucky to make it till a seven, eight o'clock you know, uh, time. And then they're pretty much out cold. They make up about 15% of the population. Hmm. Bears is the biggest one. And they make up the majority, almost 55% of the population. What's cool about being, quite honestly, I wish I was a bear. Being a bear is the best. Our entire schedule works on a bear's chronotype. So the nine to five schedule is perfect because most bears like to get up around seven, 7.30, like to go to bed around 10, 10.30. They work between nine and five. I mean, honestly, it's the best to be a bear. And bears are kind of cool people as well. They have a tendency to be either introverted or extroverted, but they're always friendly, very nice people. These are the folks that get the work done, right? The lions are the ones who have a tendency to manage people. The bears are the people that tend to have to get stuff done. Again, very large group of people. The night owls, I turned them into wolves. We all know wolves hunt at night. You know, they're nocturnal creatures and everybody kind of be the lone wolf, right? So I am a wolf. I am a night owl and I've always have been. I never go to bed before midnight. Um, It's just not in my nature to do so. Wolves have a tendency to be my creatives, my artists, my actors, my influencers, uh, my musicians, people like that. If you ever talk to an artist and you say, when did you get your inspiration for that piece? They pretty much never say two o'clock in the afternoon. They pretty much always say, I was high at four o'clock in the morning and blah, blah, blah. You know, all this crazy stuff is going on. That's really who those people are and where they have a tendency to be. Now, to be fair, they're a lot of fun, but they're late night folks like I am. And so we show up at the party late, but we stay until you know, whenever and help clean up. Um, we're, we're the folks who are the good friends, the loyal people who like to hang out into the wee hours and have those discussions and get those things going. Now, to be fair, Melina, I, I haven't told you anything you didn't already know. So far, we said early birds are lions, hummingbirds are bears, and night owls are wolves. This is nothing new again. 
my contribution to the literature are the dolphins of the world. So dolphins, and by the way, I chose dolphins because they sleep unihemispherically. So half of their brain is asleep while the other half is awake and looking for predators. Ooh, I that's thought that was, cool. I wish right? I could do that. Oh my I God. Well, I want to be a dolphin. With all of your sleep problems, you might be a dolphin. I might, um, yeah. And, and so you might be representative of that group as well. Now, here's the thing about my dolphins. They're a lot like my lions, except they've got anxiety. And so that anxiety has a tendency to push them into having difficulty falling asleep, difficulty staying asleep. Sometimes they're self-prescribed insomniacs. Um, these are people who are fast talkers, do a, get a lot of stuff done. Like they're moving, 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 but they've got enough anxiety that nothing's ever perfect for them. Nothing's ever done for them. They have this kind of perpetual um, OCD, just a little bit, not like full blown wow. OCD, but just a little bit. And that has a tendency to really make them ruminate and have tremendous difficulty sleeping. They make up about 10% of the population. So again, if you go to chronoquiz.com, you can figure out which one of these four things that you are. And that's where it gets interesting. Do you know what's so crazy though? Can I just stop you for one second? Please. Because, and this is something that I think is is super interesting because I'm a, I'm a physician. Mm -hmm. um, like when you were just describing the dolphin and the <laughs> traits and everything, like it, I almost felt tearful because you're actually explaining what I thought were like character defects, you know, and, 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 and so there's, there's something a little cathartic about hearing your, you know, I'm like, I, I, I swear to God, I just had this conversation with my mom yesterday. I'm like, I oh. have gotten so neurotic and in my old age and I'm a, a, like OCD and anxious, mm -hmm. yeah. all these things I just, and I ruminate about things <laughs> and I'm like going a mile and, and she's like, I said, was I like this as a kid? I just feel like so I, I don't want my kids to be like this. You know, you're not like this. And I mean, I was just having this conversation. And, you know, she's my mom. So she's like, you're wonderful, right. sweetheart. I love right, you. You're, you're not, you could do no wrong. I'm like, no, but you don't understand. Like, this right. is causing this is me. It, it's it's causing mm -hmm. me stress. It's it, I feel like it's. Oh, yeah. But just hearing you describe it and that maybe it's genetic and maybe I just need to learn to work with it instead of fighting it, which is what I tell my patients to do all the time. <laughs> like I tell them, don't get up at 5 a.m. to do a boot camp for your no. fitness challenge if you're not an early riser. Like it's not exactly. rocket science, right? But before it's really you go not. Too much I want I, I want to be very clear. This is not rocket science. Like I don't want people to think this is some unbelievably complicated idea. We're just asking people to listen to their bodies. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's amazing. Before you get farther, though, can you sure. explain explain a little bit circadian rhythm? Because I think that yeah. is something that maybe a lot of people don't understand. But mm -hmm. for me in the medical research, and particularly being a nutrition expert, it's yep. something that we're really starting to think more about. So explain, yes, as, give it, let's go back and be a little more yeah. foundational so that people can understand everything. So here's what, so actually this is the perfect segue into why this information is important. So each one of these characteristics, the lion, the bear, the wolf, and the dolphin represent a circadian rhythm, okay? And so what is a circadian rhythm? For folks out there who may not know, sleep works in two separate processes. There's something called sleep drive and there's something called sleep rhythm. Sleep drive, when a cell eats a piece of glucose, something comes out the back end. One of those things is called a denison. Denison works its way through your system and gets to a very specific receptor site area in your brain. As a denison accumulates, you get sleepier and sleepier and sleepier. The second process is your circadian rhythm. So also a little bit like hunger, notice how you get hungry around lunch, breakfast time, lunch time, and dinner time. Same holds true with sleep. 
most people get tired somewhere between 10 and 11.30 at night. So what we see here is with the different chronotypes, it turns out that that rhythm is different, okay? So for our lions, everything is about 90 minutes earlier than normal. We actually can see this in the literature when we look at um, early bird chronotypes and we look at their core body temperature and the rise in core body temperature. And so as, as Dr. Molina knows, as we're going to bed, as we reach the evening time, what ends up happening is our core body temperature rises, 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 and then it hits the top and then it begins to fall. Throughout the night, it falls and around 2.30 in the morning, it starts to make this angle to come back up. That's by the way, when a lot of people have a tendency to wake up in the middle of the night, we'll talk about that too, I'm sure. Um, but as this rise comes on, that can be either a high slope rise, meaning it goes very quickly, or a long slope rise, which means it happens very slowly. So that's where the difference comes is in the core body temperature differences. So a lion, their core body temperature rises very early in the morning, and that's part of the reason why they wake up. For bears, doesn't rise very early at all. They get up around that 7.30 time and they're doing okay, 7, 7.30. For wolves or night owls like me, our body temperature is lagging by 90 minutes. So honestly, dude, I don't ever want to wake up at seven o'clock. I want to wake up at 8.30, <laughs> you know, because my whole melatonin curve is shifted that late. Dolphins all over the place. Sometimes they're early, sometimes they're late. We have to find them. And we do a great job in the book of really figuring out what a good schedule is for them and then getting them to follow it. Once you start following this schedule, here's where the magic happens. So when you, as an example, if you're a lion and you wake up at five o'clock in the morning, your melatonin probably turned off at 4.30, your cortisol goes up and out, your adrenaline comes up and you start your day. If you're a wolf like me, that doesn't happen for about another hour and a half to two hours, but we both follow an extremely predictable hormonal pattern throughout our 24 hour cycle. So if you know what time your body hormones start, you can actually look around the clock at when whatever hormone you're interested in rises naturally and do the activity at that time that that hormone is valuable for. So let me give an example for everybody out there. So what, how you can actually use this to your advantage. The biggest example I can give you is sex. So I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> Except, you know, let me just back up here, yep. Michael, because I'm Jump a in. perimenopausal woman. So when Let's you bring that it. up first, like sure. I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about that. And you have to talk about women in their uh, 50s and how this changes. Because otherwise well, I'm, I'm, I'm married not... to a woman in her 50s. So I, I live with it every single day and I'm okay. in, I'm 54. So I'm right there with you. So one of the things that we know uh, and, and to be clear, there has not been a tremendous amount of uh, research done yet looking at chronotypes and menopause um, or perimenopause, any of that stuff, because quite frankly, people haven't gotten to that part of the research yet. But I think it's a very interesting area and I have some ideas for people that they may be able to understand. So one of the big things that menopausal, perimenopausal women have are hot flashes, right? So we have temperature dysregulation right. or what's been called my own private summer every single night. Um, and so, in, or uh, what have I heard of them called energy surges as well. So, you know, when you're starting to look at that, what we're talking about is a difficulty in thermoregulation secondary, usually to hormonal imbalance. So we start to understand what's going on. So with women in particular, it's complicated. But what we do find is if we can look at estrogen progesterone profiles throughout different times throughout the day, we can actually start to peg exactly what's going on. Now I gotta be fair. 
nobody does estrogen and progesterone profiles throughout your daytime. So right. you have to start to think about what could be some of the other things that women could see as uh, signs or symptoms of that during the day without having to do a blood draw four times a day to figure it out. So we start to look for some of those things. And again, the consistency of the schedule actually helps with the hormonal regulation. And so one of the things that's quite interesting, and you've probably experienced this in your practice as well, is we see hormonal dysregulation when we see circadian dysregulation. And so yes. if I had one piece of advice for everybody that's listening, wake up at the same time, seven days a week. And if you can do it based on your chronotype, it's going to help you so But isn't much. that hard to do and live your life? Because again, the podcast is called Practically Healthy. I so what it. I really try to do with experts like yourself is push back a little bit on how Please. practical that is. Because like for me... And, and and also, I mean, I think it I think it's more complicated because, like you said, with job, with family, mm -hmm. like this morning, I had to get up early to take my kid to summer camp, and I did mm -hmm. not want to get up. I, I mean, I, I was like, it was not clearly not with my chronotype or mm -hmm. even just by any of my <laughs> hormonal balance at this point. Um, I I do feel like it's interesting because I do feel like with perimenopause. Um, I know your chronotype can't necessarily change because it's genetic, right. but the manifestation of it maybe right. can change over time. And with so when you're talking about hormones, but let's get back. I didn't mean to interrupt. So no, 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 let, you're good. be specific with hormones because we're so we're talking about sex hormones, hunger mm -hmm. hormones, yeah. cortisol is a hormone, melatonin. Yeah. So so the easiest example to use is sex. So if it's okay, I'll go back to that, but I'm happy to talk yeah. about any hormone that you want, but I want everybody to have a good salient example here. So one of the things that we know is you need five hormones to successfully have good sex, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, adrenaline, and cortisol, and oxytocin uh, actually need to all be high. Melatonin, the sleep hormone needs to be low. Okay. That's the profile for anybody out there who wants to have sex. Okay. Wow. I'll give okay. you one guess what your hormone profile looks like at 11 o'clock at night right? Melatonin is high and all the things that you want high are low. So that's one hint for people out there to start to understand hormonal dysregulation and when is the appropriate targeted time um, for our bodies to do something. The second thing is if you happen to be somebody um, who has sex with a male partner, what do most men wake up with in the morning? An erection. If that's not mother nature telling you when to use that thing, I don't know what is, right? <laughs> so at the end of the day, Except right? for that when, women wake up with a schedule full of things to do. So it's a, like a disconnect there. So here's what's interesting is we surveyed women and we asked them, when do you when do you prefer to be amorous versus when do you not? It was very, very interesting. So it, for women who have the lion chronotype, 100%, all they want is sex in the morning. They're exhausted in the evenings. They have almost no interest whatsoever. Dolphins, on the other hand, are willing to have sex at night because it calms them down. That oxytocin, that flood of oxytocin and the and the orgasm can be very, very relaxing for them. But to be fair, for my female dolphins, which by the way, a lot of the dolphins are female, I prefer them to have their orgasms in the morning because that actually relaxes them almost throughout the daytime. For my bears and my wolves, it's interesting. They like sex in the early evening or very early in the morning. And my wolves, again, those are the late night people. It's very difficult for them to really be as good as sex as they want to be. So it sounds complicated. It is. I made a matrix in the book. So you can put your chronotype across the top, your partner's chronotype across the side. And I give you an early evening and an early morning time 
to attempt and have sex and see what's happening. Like, here's the thing, do the experiment, okay? If, you listen to, if you're listening to the podcast, you now have the prescription, try to have sex in the next week or so in the morning time and see what happens for you. Here's what the data we, we collected showed us. People feel stronger connection, men actually perform better, um, and uh, interestingly enough, and this was kind of a sad uh, state of affairs, but we asked men, when would they prefer to have sex? And they said, anytime it was offered. That's not a joke. I swear to you, that is actually oh, I believe the data that, Trust me. that was given to us. <laughs> um, it, was very, it was quite amusing when we saw that. But if that gives you guys an understanding of like, there can be timing during the daytime where you're actually perfect to do something. And so all you don't have to do a whole lot other than change your schedule. Now you do have to do something in terms of changing your wake up time and your go to bed time. But I'm gonna be honest with you, the, the timing differences are not dramatic. So as an example, if you're a late night wolf like me, I'm probably asking you to wake up at like 7.30, quarter to eight. That's not like out of the realm of possibility for you to get to a job by nine uh, to be able to do something like that. If you're a lion, I'm probably telling you, look, you're probably gonna be getting up at six or 6.30, maybe even 5.45. Again, for an early bird, that's not out of the realm of possibility. So the good news here is my recommendations are practical. Um, and we wrote the book in a very practical sense, because at the end of the day, if I tell people to go to bed at two o'clock in the morning and wake up at 10 o'clock in the afternoon, nobody's going to do it. Just like if I tell people never drink coffee again, that's not going to happen or never have alcohol again, that's not going to happen either. So I 100% appreciate the practicality of the podcast. I actually, I honor it. And I think it's exactly what people really need to hear, especially when it comes to sleep, because people do a lot of stupid things when it comes to sleep. Like what? I probably do all of them. I'm probably now um, I'm, I'm realizing I do everything wrong, but go ahead. Yeah. What, do, so what the, else? <laughs> so one of the biggest things that I see people do is um, as an example, let's say you got a crappy night's sleep last night, but you got to get up at 630, go to work and you drag an ass all day. And you're like, okay, I'm just going to get in bed early tonight and catch up on my sleep. That's the dumbest idea you could possibly have. And I'll explain why. Remember that thing called the circadian rhythm? Yeah. If you go to bed before your internal body clock wants to go to bed, you ain't going to bed. You're lying there getting pissed off, okay? Mm -hmm. Because you're lying there and you're thinking, my body is exhausted. I, I can feel the exhaustion, but my brain is keeping going. Again, circadian pacing turns out to be incredibly, incredibly important. So again, one thing, wake up. Notice I didn't say go to bed. Wake up at the same time, seven days a week. Now here's, I wanna talk about that seven days a week part because that's something that a lot of people don't think about. They say, oh, I'm gonna catch up on the weekend, Michael. It's gonna be no problem. I know I get crappy sleep during the week, but don't you worry, everything's gonna be great on the weekend. So number one, it's not. Number, number two, on the weekend, you're drinking more coffee, you're drinking more alcohol, you're smoking more weed, you know, you're doing all the things that are gonna be messing up with your sleep. But let me give you the science as to why you wanna wake up at the same time every single day. So when you wake up, let's say it's seven o'clock in the morning, just to use a number, when your eyes open up and sunlight hits your eyes, it turns off the melatonin faucet in your brain. It turns out you have little cells in your eye called melanopsin cells, and they send a signal back to the pineal gland. They say, whoa, turn it off right now. But here's the thing that most people don't know is that they actually set a timer for 14 hours later to start melatonin production again. Hmm. Here's why this becomes important. And this is gonna sound strange, but your brain cannot tell time. So here's what happens. You've been waking up at six o'clock, six o'clock, six o'clock all week long. 14 hours later is eight o'clock. That's when your melatonin will kick off, right? Now you wake up on Saturday morning at nine o'clock. 
guess what? Your brain isn't going to kick off melatonin again at eight. It's going to kick it off three hours later because your brain can't tell time. It's a timer. So your brain doesn't know that you woke up at nine o'clock. So 14 hours later is when it's going to start your melatonin, which means you ain't going to fall asleep on Saturday night at your normal time. This is called social jet lag. So basically stay up late Friday night, sleep in Saturday, stay up late Saturday, sleep in Sunday. This is why Mondays suck because your brain wants to stay up late Sunday and sleep in on Monday. But I mean, the, the, so then let's go back to the practical part of that, because as I'm listening to you, scientifically, it makes a heck of a lot of sense. But, um, you know, on weekends, I, 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 I'm actually a very social person. I think that mm -hmm. is that part of the dolphin chronotype or dolphins, yeah. dolphins swim in packs. Social. So that's got to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, so I, I tend to do more. So do I really need to just like throw my yes. guests out at like yes. 10? Okay. You need All right, Jessica, well, you're out at 10. That's my uh, social media. My, she works for me. I mean, what am I favorite people to have? But here's the thing. Out? Like, you, if you wanted to go out for dinner in a movie, go out for dinner in a movie. Just still wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Here's what's going to happen over the course of time is, and this, ha this, this happens to everybody as long as they're consistent, is you actually consolidate your sleep. So I'm going to show you the biggest trick in the book, which is what I did. So before I wrote the book, The Power of When, I was like, all right, I'm going to do this for myself. Might as well run it on me, see if it really works. So I went to bed and pegged it at midnight because that's kind of a wolf. Midnight, 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 no alarm. Was waking up naturally at 7.30. Again, I'm a wolf chronotype that falls exactly into that category. About four weeks after I start doing this, without an alarm, I'm waking up at 7.15. Not really sure why, but just seems to be happening. Another three weeks goes by and I'm waking up at 6.45. Two months goes by and I'm waking up at 6.15. I'm still going to bed at midnight. Okay. What happened is my entire sleep schedule began to consolidate because of the consistency. My brain knows exactly what to do at midnight and exactly. Here's the thing. I think that people need eight hours to get a good six and a half to seven. Mm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> because they're out of their chronotype. And as soon as you layer in your chronotype, dude, I can give people 90 to 120 minutes back into their day. Can you imagine what you would do with an extra 90 minutes and still get high quality sleep and still function at the, at the highest level? Yeah, no, it's fascinating. There's there. <laughs> I have I have like 17 million questions for you. So I'll just try to like narrow Roll it down. I mean, I think um, I, I do want to think, I mean, you know, maybe we should just do this on another podcast to discuss your latest book, because I think bringing yeah. in the fitness phenotype and then the chrono or, or It'll whatever. It'll get much more complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> very complicated. No, but I thought that was, I thought that was a very interesting topic from your latest book, but th there's too much with this one, uh, the power of when. So in terms of, um, you know, supplements, because I think, and, and mm -hmm. I'm really guilty of this and, and, and mm -hmm. of, I mean, and, and maybe this is just something that, you know, I need to work on in terms of, of being more strict with my sleep schedule, which it sounds like, assuming that I'm a dolphin, I'm going to take the quiz as soon as we finish this podcast. So I can't wait. I'll know for sure. Um, but in terms of taking stuff like, mm -hmm. Melato I mean, I can yep. tell you that's what I do right now, which is really interesting for sex too, is I, the first thing that I do at like nine o'clock is take my melatonin supplement. So that's even worse for your libido based on what you. It you is. Know. So do you mind me asking what the milligram dosages of your melatonin? It varies depending on how much, I mean, it, it, and also, I mean, that's a loaded question because me as a nutrition <laughs> doctor with the bioavailability and sure. extended release, but you know, lately I've been doing more in the three milligram range. Um, you know, but so I, can I, I give you some data. 
Yes, please. Uh, data is everything. I'm a doctor. I like data. So, so if you look at the uh, information out of MIT, Dr. Workman's lab, uh, low dose melatonin is all that's necessary to have plasma concentration levels reach the effective point of melatonin for circadian rhythmicity. So what am I saying? Low dose melatonin actually helps change your circadian rhythm. So this Dr. Workman out of MIT, he patented the dose and then he took that patent and he gave it to an attorney and he said, every time some supplement company asks to do a low dose melatonin, sue them or have them pay me a licensing fee. Wow. And so the supplement companies got tired of being sued. And so they just decided to start increasing the dose. And then they decided to be marketers and they say, more is better. We've got melatonin in three milligrams, five milligrams, 10 milligrams out there. I'm gonna be very clear. The appropriate dose of melatonin for any adult is somewhere between a third and one milligram. That is it. You do not need more than that for sleep. If you want to use melatonin as an antioxidant, that's a whole separate conversation that we can have at another time. But just when we're looking at sleep in particular, that's important to know. A couple of other things that I want to let people know about melatonin, if that's okay. Yes. So remember, melatonin is a hormone, guys. It is not an herb. It is not a mineral. You wouldn't walk down to the local GNC and buy testosterone or estrogen, would you? I mean, maybe you would if you could. Yeah, <laughs> but, we, we, um, people probably but try, but- People probably <laughs> yeah. would try, right? But at the end of the day, it's, it's a terrible idea, right? The other thing, 95% of it is sold in an overdosage format, okay? They actually did a study about a year and a half ago where they pulled 10 bottles off the shelf not a single bottle of melatonin in any brand was appropriately dosed, meaning what was on the label, what was in the pill. It was almost always more. This is one of the reasons why so many people report terrible dreams when taking melatonin, because mm. it, they're basically overdosing themselves. A lot of people don't know melatonin is by prescription only in Europe. And here's one that's going to really throw you at large dosages. It's a contraceptive. Wow, that's interesting. That's yep. very, that, That's right. That sounds like a whole nother podcast. But so, so but, but wait, wait, wait. I want to say one quick thing about the contraception part, which is this is the reason why I never, let me repeat, never recommend melatonin in children. Under the age of 18, there is no reason for a young female reproductive system to have a contraceptive introduced for no freaking reason. Makes no sense. I There are pediatricians all over the country and they tell moms everywhere, if your kid isn't sleeping, give them melatonin. Let me be very clear. Mel children make three times the amount of melatonin that they actually need. All you're doing when you give your child a melatonin tablet or pill is, you is you're teaching them that they need a pill to sleep. I want to be very clear. That's the worst idea in the century. Okay. So even with boys too, who have occasional breakthrough insomnia, I can't, I got to throw away all my I would gummies. never in a million years give boys melatonin. It's a terrible, terrible idea. Let's be clear. They don't need it. There is, however, one group of children that actually the data has been very consistent. It can be helpful. Children on the spectrum. So kids with autism or Asperger's, there's been a lot of data, very interesting data that three to five milligrams in those kids about 45 minutes before bed in a liquid format seems to work very, very well. So if you're a parent of a special need child in that universe, that's an okay thing to do. Talk with your doctor about it. Of course. That's an okay thing to do. And here's the last point about melatonin. I know you keep wanting to talk, but I got a little bit more is um, people don't know this, but melatonin has interaction effects with blood pressure medication, um, contraceptive medication, and um, antidepressant medication and diabetic medication. This is not something to fool around with, guys. You don't just walk out to the GNC or the, or the CVS and start popping melatonin and think it's not going to mess you up because it's going to. 
Sorry, that was my rant. No, no, no. <laughs> I think I think it's really helpful. But um, so I mean, I'm just curious. Is there anything that you could give kids yeah. on occasion for breakthrough well, so insomnia? Well, so here's number one is. So first of all, I don't give kids anything for sleep. Kids need to learn how to sleep and kids can learn how to sleep. It's very rare. Unless I have a child with OCD, uh, anxiety disorder, like don't get me wrong. If you've got a child with a major mental health issue, there are reasons to give children pills to sleep. I want to be very clear about that. But that is an important relationship that you and your doctor are going to have about your child. This That is not you walking out to the local drugstore and buying Tylenol PM and giving it to your kid, which, by the way, is a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. There's now data to show that diphenhydramine, which is the PM portion or Benadryl of those, is got a direct relationship to Alzheimer's with a, a dose response over 10 years. Wow, that's Actually really disturbing because I know a lot of elderly people tend to take stuff like that. But here's yep. the problem. I mean, you bring up some wonderful points. And, you know, as somebody who's an expert in nutrition, as a doctor, this is what I talk about all the time. But mm -hmm. I, everybody says, talk to your doctor. Most doctors don't know this. They have no idea. And, and don't, most doctors don't know any of this. So, you know, right. if you're, you, you, if your doctor is not aware of these things, which odds are they aren't, you you have to listen to podcasts like this and do your own homework because talk to your doctor doesn't cut it for the majority of this stuff. So I appreciate you giving us more insight into sure. this sort of thing. Um, yeah, in terms and, of, go ahead. And, and another thing that I would say is I feel like my approach to sleeplessness might be a lot different than other people's approach. Would you, would, would you indulge me to maybe let me just kind of tell people a little bit about how I approach somebody who comes to my office who's looking for either a sleeping pill or a supplement? Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the very first thing that I do is I say, can we do blood work? Because let's be very fair. If you're vitamin D, if you're magnesium, if your iron or your melatonin are out of whack, it doesn't matter what kind of pill I give you. So the very first thing I do is I look for deficiencies. So let's get the body up to par levels <laughs> and see how it operates first. So those three, wait, repeat that for me. Vitamin so I do four D. four different things. So I do vitamin D, which is a natural circadian pacemaker. Magnesium, which is also a natural soother and calmer. Um, iron, a lot of women don't know this, but iron can have a dramatic effect on sleep cycles as well as something called restless leg syndrome. And then of course, melatonin. Now, melatonin is not as easy to measure. So you don't have to have measured melatonin, but those other three, any doctor in the country can order blood work for that. Wait, 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 well, hold on. Let me just clarify, because I think this is important because I'm going to use yeah. this right away in my practice. So you're helping me be better Great. a doctor That's tomorrow. Awesome. With magnesium, though, I mean, mm -hmm. it's red blood cell magnesium because right. it's very regular magnesium is very tightly regulated very. and does not reflect free magnesium. So it has That's to correct. be red that blood cell magnesium. 100%. So, Thank okay. you for and then actually iron, thank you for making that distinction. Yeah, and with iron, that's that's the good news about being a doctor who has a podcast. Yeah, no, I, can, I love I can these kind of get, Give a little deeper. And so, if we want to talk specifically about iron, I would argue ferritin. it's ferritin. Yes, and what do you try to get ferritin to? Above sixty. Uh, and what do you try to get red blood cell magnesium to? It depends upon the patient. Like you know, if I've got an elderly patient, it's going to be very different than if I have somebody young. So there's kind of a range that I try to uh, try to move them through. It, it really just depends. To be honest with you, I like to just titrate based on symptoms. So yeah. what I'll do is I'll start really, really low on the magnesium because remember folks, if you're taking magnesium supplements, you can get diarrhea from that. So you need to be careful not to overload your body with magnesium. Personally, I use a different form. I use a unique form of magnesium. Three and eight? So I, so, well, here's, what's interesting. Folks out there might know there are 10 different types of magnesium. Um, 
The two that help the most with sleep are magnesium threonate and magnesium glycinate. If you have stomach issues, I have people start with glycinate and then move over to threonate over time. But I have a different method for magnesium um, that I like to tell people. It's called banana tea. So many people don't know it, but bananas are loaded with magnesium. But it turns out that the peel has got three times the amount of magnesium as the fruit itself. So what you can do is take an organic banana, wash it off, cut off the tip and the stem, cut it in half, leave the peel on and the fruit in it. So all I've asked you to do is wash off a banana, okay, and cut off the tip and the stem. Take your two halves, drop them into about three cups of boiling water and boil it till the banana turns brown and then drink the water. It's loaded with magnesium and phytosteroids and all the things that help with absorption. It has no interaction effects. You can give it to seniors. You can give it to kids. I have one mom and she pours it into popsicle molds and she gives it to kids during the summer at the end of the day. And the kids are out like a light and they have no idea what's going on. It's awesome. Wow. Wait a minute. You're putting the end of the banana in the, the tips? or Cut off the tip and the stem. Yeah. Take throw the whole that fruit away. with the skin. Yeah. Throw the tip and the stem away. Take okay. these two halves. Drop. All I'm asking you to do is boil a banana. Yeah. That's it. That's up, but yeah, that sounds easy enough. And and just for those listening too, and I want to I, I want to get to vitamin D too because that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard that before. The majority of Americans are deficient in vitamin D. They do not get yes. enough from their diet. You can right. get it from things like beans and leafy greens and nuts and seeds and everything that we don't eat enough of. So I think that's an important thing that people may think. Well, how do I know if I'm deficient in magnesium? You are. Most likely you are. Yeah. How deficient is- I would argue 75% of people out there are probably deficient in magnesium. I'd say closer to 80 or 85% are deficient in vitamin D. Um, and remember folks, vitamin D is a circadian pacemaker. It actually helps your circadian rhythms. And you wanna take your vitamin D in the morning time. And for many people, they wanna take their magnesium in the evening time. Um, so there can be a time differential that can change the level of effectiveness. Wow, this is fascinating. Okay, and then iron. So, but I do so- agree with magnesium threonate, by the way. That is that is the one. But I will tell people, I, I, a lot of people can't start with threonate. They have to start mm. with glycinate and let their tummy get used to it. No, I just recently was introduced in terms of overall brain function that threonate mm-hmm. seems to be a better preparation than- It is um, a banger. <laughs> and without having the GI side effects, because if you're right. up all night with diarrhea, that kind of offsets the sleep benefits. Yeah, it kind of you throws know, off I mean, the whole sleep saying. effects. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, just to, again, not rocket Ball science, problem. folks. Um, right. So anything else, and, and I think I'm just, you have too much good information. And my friend, <laughs> our mutual friend, Jennifer Cohen told us this, she's like, you're going to have to have him back because he's going to have so much good stuff to say. <laughs> You're not going to be able to get through all of it. And she was 100% right. So anything else before I let you go on on the supplement side of things? I mean, I, I think, you know, well, a I lot of people have... are doing CBD. Um, and Let's then really, how that. bad is alcohol? Is that really ruining my life? Because mm-hmm. yeah. I love I love it so much. No. Yeah. So, so number one, I can teach you how to drink and still get good sleep. I want to be very clear about that. Okay. okay you're my no, hero. And- Okay. So we can talk about that, but then remind me, I want to talk about CBD after. Okay. Okay. So remember folks, alcohol, the amount of alcohol and how close to lights out are the two determining factors as to how much it affects your sleep. So the good news is if you're a day drinker, you're probably not going to have a whole lot of effect on your sleep. However, your liver doesn't uh, produce alcohol dehydrogenase. And so it doesn't take a whole lot of alcohol. I don't know if you ever had like a mimosa at brunch for Mother's Day or something like that. Yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday at the beach. Tipsy, (laughs) right? Before you know it, right? And so the timing of alcohol is particularly important. But here's a couple of important facts. Number one, it takes the average human approximately one hour to digest one alcoholic beverage. 
right? Number two, when you hit the second drink, nine times out of 10, you get a little bit of a buzz and that's when your brain spikes cortisol because it's going toxic. The reason you're getting a buzz is not a good reason. It's because something bad is going on in your brain. And so your brain likes to fire off a little cortisol when that happens to kind of a fight or flight, like what's going on here. Here's the problem. You just became an energetic drunk, not really good for going to bed. So limit yourself to two drinks. Here's the method. Have one glass of wine, one glass of water, wait one hour. Have a second glass of wine, second glass of water, wait one hour. Then you're fine for bed. So here's the scenario. And to be clear, you don't have to have an hour in between each glass because I know you're wondering about that. So here's how it works. You're going to uh, dinner at, let's say, 6.37 o'clock. You order your cocktail. Let's say you have a nice glass of wine. You enjoy your glass of wine. You have your meal. You have your second glass of wine. Now it's, let's say, uh, seven or so. You finish your second glass of wine. Uh, you have a, a lovely evening. You return home. You then have, wait two hours at your second glass of wine was at seven. You wait till eight, till nine. You've had at least two glasses of water to replace uh, the, the hydration. Remember folks, alcohol is a diuretic. Once you break the seal and you start peeing, you're gonna start peeing all night long and that's gonna be a problem. So again, limiting it to two alcoholic beverages, you're good to go. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm going <laughs> to, I'll go. I, I don't want to talk too much about myself and especially for my <laughs> audience to think that I'm a complete bumbling idiot alcoholic who can't sleep. I'm a dolphin folks. I think I'm a dolphin, but let's okay, talk so about let's, CBD then. Yeah. Let's talk about CBD. Cause I, I do. What, one of the things that I was going to say is I actually enjoy for me, and maybe this is my dolphin anxiety, OCD, mm -hmm. ruminating type of personality that I do enjoy feeling buzzed and it helps me mm -hmm. disconnect from my mm -hmm. stress of the day and turn it off because I don't like, otherwise I would be on all the time and I would be. So let's talk about cannabis. Okay. Because this is a great lead in to that. So you asked me about CBD and I'd like to, if I can explain a little bit more about that. So here's what's cool about CBD. CBD actually doesn't do anything for sleep. You'd need 120 milligrams. There's only one study so far, but you know what CBD does? CBD does do a good job of lowering anxiety and helping with pain. If you have pain or anxiety that's affecting your sleep and you use CBD to reduce those, then the natural sleep process can take over and you can do quite well with it. I'm one of the only docs that's very pro cannabis for sleep. And I'm talking about the whole plant, not just CBD. I'm talking about THC, CBD, CBN, which is yeah. a constituent within it, which actually has been shown in the research to be very helpful with sedation and sleep. So when we're talking about this whole idea of cannabis and sleep, and you bring up the idea of like, look, I'm a cat on a hot tin roof. I've got anxiety. I want to have a drink or two. I want to chill out. Like not you, but anybody, right? I mean, look, I'm the same way. Believe me, I've got plenty of anxiety floating around in my head on a regular basis. So how do we make sure to curb those anxieties in a healthy way, shape and form? Maybe we wanna use a substance to help us, but there might be some other things that we could have done during the daytime that could be particularly helpful, right? So number one, we know that a dehydrated body is an anxious body, right? So when you're not well hydrated, your anxiety is through the roof. So making sure that you've got a good level of hydration during the day is gonna be important. Number two, watch your caffeine intake. The biggest thing we people don't think about is caffeine's a diuretic. It's not just liquid, but it's going to be pulling liquid out of you. So stopping caffeine earlier in the daytime, if you possibly can, like before noon, is a great idea as a general recommendation for something like this. The other big things in terms of looking at things that you can do to help your sleep earlier in the day, 
daily exercise, not too close to bedtime, but there's a lot of consistent data to show daily exercises are better sleepers as a general guideline. Also, meditators. And I'm going to be honest with you. I hated meditation. I was never good at it. I could never, ever, ever do it. And I went to meditation camps. I went to silence retreats. I did all the crazy shit. I mean, let's be honest. I live in California. Okay. Everybody out here knows how to freaking meditate. So I'm like, what am I missing? I actually found a product. I have no association with this product, by the way. It's a headband. It's called Muse, M-U-S-E. And I'm telling you something, this thing, it's, it's biofeedback. So what it is, is you wear the headband and it tells you when you hit an alpha state with an audio signal. So you, ex you know exactly. For the OCDers out there, kind of like me, kind of like you, um, what we know is this is, gives us immediate feedback. So we know we're doing it right. The biggest problem I always had with meditations, I didn't know if I was doing it right. If I get that constant feedback, then I can relax and allow myself to meditate. What we find is if we do meditation and exercise and things of that nature, stress reduction during the daytime, there's not the big need for alcohol at night. Um, now, does that mean that you can't enjoy a glass of wine? No, of course not. Please enjoy a glass of wine, but you probably don't need the amount that you normally would need if you're setting yourself up better earlier in the daytime, if that makes any sense. Going on to back on to CBD. Yeah. Remember, CBD, you'd need 120 milligrams for it to show any kind of efficacy. So if you've got anxiety or pain, that's the place to look for. THC, that's the psychoactive component in marijuana, can help you fall asleep. But I want to be very clear about something. Too much THC lowers REM sleep and increases heart rate, which is not good for sleep. So what you don't want to do is get stoned and go to bed. There's a very big difference between using a medicinal amount of marijuana for a, to help you actually fall asleep versus I'm going to get blitzed and pass out. Just the way there's a big difference between going to sleep and passing out when you're drinking alcohol, the same holds true with marijuana. So when I'm recommending those types of products to, to clients and patients, what I'll do, many times I actually even go into the dispensary with them and help them choose exactly what they're looking for. We're now finally starting to see products that are getting into the dispensaries that are actually sleep focused. So right. we've got... Uh, You've got some that are combinations with lavender and chamomile and some things that have got some efficacy with a little bit of CBN, a little bit of CBD and a small amount of THC, or even in some cases, no THC can be helpful as well. I've written a tremendous amount of information about cannabis and sleep on my website, which is thesleepdoctor.com. So if you have other questions and we didn't get to it today, feel free to check it out over there. I think that's great. And I'm going to check it out too, even though I've got, uh, I could, I know I can go to you directly, but I want to read all you your can. stuff too. But um, no, I mean, this has been, uh, you know, extraordinary. And I, I really, I, I think, you know, she warned we, you. We, yeah, we, I know Jen warned me. I should have like scheduled. I know her podcast is way longer than mine is. So uh, her podcast, oh, Habits and Hustle, for those of you who don't know it. It's a great one, by the way. It's a great, she's a great interviewer. She really is. But I mean, you know, this sleep thing, I think just to end, you know, with the healthy side of it, with the health side, in which we didn't mm -hmm. get into that much. But I just read um, this morning in preparation for this, let me know, review mm -hmm. article from Sleep Medicine from last year. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. sleep deprivation is associated with breast cancer, diabetes, yep. heart yep. disease, yep. mood, obesity. You bet. And it's considered a class shift I, this blew my mind gi you have a book on beauty dermatology yep. endocrine reproductive health <laughs> respiratory health but the fact that the iarc 
actually shows shift work and the adverse impact on the circadian rhythm to be a class 2A carcinogen. So a probable uh, carcinogen. So, you know, for everybody that may be listening, they oh, yeah, sleep, that's like a luxury that I can't afford to focus on. That is not true. So they they have to focus on it. If you care about health or anything, you have to focus on it. Yeah. You know, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, you know, I believe that sleep is the domino of health. So once you get sleep right, everything else falls into line. But when you have sleep wrong, everything is off. Weight loss is off. Mood is off. Performance is off. Any kind of performance, cognitive, emotional, physical, it doesn't matter. Everything you do, you do better with a good night's sleep. It affects every organ system in every disease state. To be clear, cancer has a circadian rhythm. We know that. That's why we give chemotherapy at different times in the circadian scale in order to be more effective and give less chemo. Like there's some incredible, I mean, the Nobel Prize in medicine three years ago was given to circadian researchers, right? So this is the dawn of the next scientific thing. I will tell you what what you'll see in the future uh, in sleep medicine, which is kind of interesting. You'll start to see that uh, when people are doing samples like blood samples, urine samples, saliva samples, they're going to put timing on them because there's going to be different norms based on age, based on what time you take the sample, right? So think about it. If you're in clinic and you do a thyroid sample at eight o'clock in the morning versus one at four o'clock in the afternoon, guess what? You could have a wildly different sample on the same damn person just because of the circadian rhythm of their thyroid. So there's a lot of cool stuff that's going to be happening. We call it circadian medicine. That's going to be out there. Shift work is going to be, we're going to be learning a lot more about that. So I can't wait if I get the opportunity to come back and talk more. A hundred percent. I want to have you back tomorrow. No, <laughs> uh, I mean, this has been, I, I, I just love it. And you really are a wealth of knowledge. So again, it's the sleepdoctor.com on all, is that all your social handles? It is. So on uh, Facebook, on Twitter, on Pinterest, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on everything. I'm the sleep doctor. Dot com. Okay. Yeah. And you can learn all about the books. We didn't even talk about the new book, which I think is fascinating. So next time I'll schedule way more time, but thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this and and I love it when I learn. It, it really gets me excited and I've learned a lot from you and it is going to make me a better practitioner. And I think that's, that's a gift. So I, I thank you very much for that. And um, I can't wait to have you back. And I hope my audience goes right to your website as soon as they listen to this to learn more about everything um, so they can empower themselves to be healthier. So I appreciate it. So I just wanted to say thank you. You made my heart feel good today. I I really appreciate your words. Um, They're super kind and it was exactly what I was intending to do. So I'm glad that we were both able to accomplish our goals today. So thanks. My pleasure. It was wonderful to meet you. I'm going to see you soon. I know it. (laughs) Absolutely. I want to wish everybody out there sweet dreams. And if you want, swing by thesleepdoctor.com and check it out. I really hope that you found the information in this podcast helpful. I know I did. And I welcome your feedback because I'm doing this for you. So if there's topics that you want to learn about, something that you want to learn more about, if there's something that you want to explain further that I've talked about, please let me know comment on my Instagram page, send me an email, melina at drmelina.com, and definitely hit that subscribe button because I'm going to have great new content every single week, and I don't want you to miss an episode. That's it for now. Stay practically healthy.